Hello, Discasters. How is everyone doing today? I hope you're all having a wonderful, wonderful week. Guess what? It's Pride! Yay! Happy Pride Month, everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to start off the show, just Happy Pride Month. Hope you're all celebrating, uh, those of you who identify under the wonderful queer umbrella that exists, uh, whatever colors you flag, whatever flag you fly. Happy Pride Month. Uh, celebrate you, celebrate yourself, celebrate your identity and who you are. Uh, so I had thought about it and, uh, first off I was like, oh, maybe I can do some like queer related Disney stuff, but I'm like, oh, but like, there's not much. I mean, like there are some shows, uh, that relate to queerness, like Owl House is one, is one big one, uh, for example. Uh, but like in general, there's nothing I can really pinpoint to really reflect uh, I mean, we can talk about the queer coding of villains. I mean, like, look at Scar, for example. Uh, we can talk about the queer baiting that has happened in the past, such as, you know, with, like, uh, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, barf. Um, or, like, the the fact, like, Elsa's gay. Just Elsa's gay. The queer, like, there was so obvious, it was so obvious queer baiting in Frozen 2. Anyway, but it's fine. It is what it is. Um, but it seems uh, Disney has uh, it, to celebrate with us, I suppose. Uh, they are releasing a new little cupcake in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, that is the first headline uh, to start off the show. Uh, there's an adorable new Pride Month cupcake at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, it looks delicious, I will say it's got a wonderful kind of wafer type rainbow Mickey thing on top of it. It looks cute. I mean, like I'd eat it, although it's six dollars, which is kind of wild. Although, and it's cheaper than the fiftieth fiftieth anniversary cake, cupcake, which is interesting. But it looks delicious. I mean, yeah, I'd I'd probably eat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand that like. Uh, Disney's. Um, Disney's relationship with queer people has hasn't exactly been the best. It's been tenuous at best. Um, I think the hope and desire is that in the future, in the years to come, that will hopefully be fixed and that will be repaired. Uh, especially with what's been kind of what's gone on with the Don't Say Gay Bill, you know, and them uh, very adamantly going against it and facing the the kickback from the right-wing media and the right-wingers. Although I think it is hilarious that the right-wingers are coming at us, the left, the quote-unquote the woke, the woke left, calling us, you know, snowflakes and sensitive people. And then they're the ones who are fully up in arms about, you know, basic human decency. But anyway... It's almost like right-wingers and the Republican Party are entirely based on hypocrisy and, you know, just being assholes. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so that's the first headline. This next one is that uh, items containing peanut butter have been discontinued across all Walt Disney World. So that's big. Um, how do I feel about it? I mean... In, 
on the one hand, I understand they want to be good about, you know, being conscious about people with peanut allergies. And the issue is that when you have something that's when you have things that work with peanut butter or anything with peanuts in them, it's it's almost impossible to say that there there is no cross cross contamination because if they're within the same vicinity of each other, there is the potential for that no matter what. Right. And so like just them pulling it entirely, I think, is kind of the safest thing for them to do. Uh, so yeah, so it makes sense, which is, you know, it's not a huge problem. Do I like peanut butter? I love peanut butter. Do I like peanut butter in stuff? I do. But you know, like if it means that, you know, some kid doesn't have to worry about anaphylaxis, you know what? Fine. It's fine. I'll just stick with my chocolate. It's all good. Uh, this next headline is, uh, actually in relation to the re-theme of Splash Mountain. So the re-theme of Splash Mountain uh, everything's already kind of in motion, right? We know what it's going to look like. We know what it's going to be based off. We know it's going to be based off of Princess and the Frog. We had initially thought that it was going to open in 2024. However, it seems like uh, the company is apprehensive. They're reluctant to confirm or deny a 2024 opening. So... What that means, I'm not sure. I think because like everything's already kind of more or less planned out. They've got the, um, like the sketches and stuff. They've got concepts, concept art all rare and to go and everything. I think it's just a matter of, you know, because they're doing both Splash Mountains, uh, both in Disneyland and in Disney World, and so I think it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of, uh, funding of resources and stuff like that, um. I think that's kind of the biggest part of it, is is that and I and you, and I'm willing to wait extra time if it means that they're going to do it properly, especially because if they're refurbing and reusing the animatronics from Splash Mountain and Disneyland, those things are fucking old. So if it means that they if it gives them time to refurb to refurb those the animatronics themselves and like fix them up, make them newer, reskin them, obviously then you know what i'm kind of okay with that if it means that things work better you know what i mean so i'm i'm not mad about it i'm i mean i'm gonna be bummed that the next time i go to disneyland it's not gonna be there but you know that's fine uh another thing uh so radiator springs had issues apparently (laughs) um and at one point, one of the uh, cars was actually smoking. And so they had to shut the whole ride down. Uh, rightfully so, you know, for safety and everything. And then for a while, it wasn't known whether or not it was going to come back. Uh, but fortunately, it did. So everything is fine with that. Uh, Radiator Springs Racers, it looks like, is... Uh, up and running again and that's good news because radiator spring radiator springs racers uh is an awesome ride uh yeah so like it's it's definitely a favorite of mine and uh and my partners uh so yeah set to uh uh possibly reopen today uh june 3rd and so that's great yay for that uh we can officially Confirmed that the Scarlet Witch is in Disneyland in Avengers Campus, and she looks phenomenal. She looks so good. 
So that's exciting. But how, now, how do I feel about there being... I mean, like, I was going to say, how do I feel about there being a villain in the park? But I'm like, well, villains have been in the parks all the time. People can go and see them all the time. But I don't know. I mean, Wanda's a different story, isn't she? I mean, like, if spoilers if you haven't seen uh, Multiverse of Madness. But she's dark. It's fucking dark, yo. Like, she straight up murders people. And so it's like, oh, God, right? So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I love Wanda. I love me some Wanda Maximo. I think she's amazing. I think she's definitely one of those characters who's misunderstood and I think just went too far. And it's hard to forgive somebody when they do that. But, you know, what can you do? But it's going to be cool to see her because I would love to see her. Uh, I can't wait to meet her in person. Uh This next bit of news is so, okay, here's the thing. Uh, The Obi-Wan Kenobi has has come out. It's officially out. And three episodes have come by. Uh, And, of course, people have their opinions, which is valid. You can like it. You don't have to like it. It's all good. But... Don't come for an actor simply because they are black. (sighs) Of course, of course, it has to be fucking Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans are, in my opinion, some of the worst fan base. They, They are some of the most toxic fan base that I have seen in a long time. Like... They, like, I I don't understand. I don't understand how they can be so awful. Basically, uh, one of the new characters in this show is, uh, her name is Reva. She is, uh, she's she's an Inquisitor. Uh, If you don't know much about Star Wars lore, the Inquisitors are basically like these um, dark side acolytes, more or less, that Darth Vader kind of... uh, not hired is not the right word, uh, but kind of like uh, made his his acolytes, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to properly explain it, but they're basically Sith without being properly Sith, if that makes sense. And their whole purpose is to hunt down Jedi across the galaxy, uh, because of course there had some, there have been some that had survived Order sixty six. Right, which was uh, the uh, the thing that made them all, like all of the clone troopers, or almost all the clone troopers, kind of like turn on their Jedi generals, and consequently destroyed the Jedi Order. So, what happened was uh, one of these actresses who plays one of the Inquisitors, uh, I can't remember her name. But the character's name is uh, Reva. Uh, oh, sorry. Her name is Moses. Her name is Moses Ingram. And she started getting a bunch, a bunch of hate mail. Like, a lot. Like, more than anybody actively should simply for being in a part. And it all had to do with just the fact that she was black. And it's it's wild. It's wild to me that so many people were so mad at her 
for no reason. Like so much so that Ewan McGregor himself came forward and basically denounced all of like everyone. He's he straight up said he's like, look, if if you are no uh you are no Star Wars fan if that's how you're gonna treat her. Like it's it's awful. It's awful how people were reacting to her. Um, I will post the video of uh, Ewan making this announcement. Uh, he just kind of made it in his, um, which is like a short video, like uh, in his car and stuff like that. Um, and it's just a real, real shame. And I feel bad for for Moses Ingram. And in my perfect, in my or not my sorry not my perfect in in my opinion is completely unwarranted i think she's great i think she's done doing such a good job and more power to her she is amazing and awesome and she deserves all of our love and respect and yeah so fuck anybody who wants to say otherwise they are not star wars fans they're not bottom line so next up this final piece of uh, this final uh, headline has to do with a classic film that we touched on, fuck, it's it, like months ago, like ages ago, it feels like. They have finally released a teaser trailer for the live action version of Pinocchio. Now, I have two opinions of this. Number one, it looks pretty. And number two... I'm worried it's going to be another shot for shot remake. Because if that's the case, then what's the fucking point? Because when the Lion King came, when the live action Lion King came out, it was basically a shot for shot remake and it's, and it was dumb and awful and I hate it. Uh, which is saying something because the Lion King is probably one of my favorite movies ever. Um, the teaser trailer that I will of course link as well, uh, looks good. I mean like it, it look, it's got a bunch of like classic moments, like hit, like, Tom Hanks is, looks exactly like Geppetto, for fuck's sake. It's weird. Uh, I don't think he has much of an Italian accent, though, which I'm kind of like, eh, you could have snuck that in, I guess, but it's fine. Um, and, yeah. I'm. Ex- it's interesting to see what, what it's going to look like. It is only going to come out on Disney+, Plus though, which also kind of worries me a little bit. It worries me because I'm worried that maybe the quality is not going to be near is not going to be as good as I think it should be. Uh, but who knows? It's also being directed by Robert Zemeckis, which is pretty big. Like if you don't know who Robert Zemeckis is, if you take a look at his at his IMDb, you will immediately know who this man is. Like he he's worked with Tom Hanks a fuck ton of times um he's done he did forrest gump back to the future castaway who framed roger rabbit uh the back to the future 2 and 3 he did the polar express uh the 2020 version of the witches he did death becomes her contact beowulf like you know who robert zemeckis is we know who he is and so that's kind of a bit of a saving grace for me in that the fact that Robert Zemeckis is helming this movie 
because the, he, he's got a good eye. He's, he's, you know, <laughs> he's, I guess he's, uh, made his name known. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But anyway, I will link the trailer. You can make your opinions. Uh, oh, also the, uh, the blue fairy is a black woman. So I guess we'll just wait and see what happens with that. Cause you know, you know, the racists are going to come out again. Uh, anyway, it's fine. I personally have no issue with it. I don't give a fuck who the blue fairy plays or who's playing the blue fairy. It's a fucking fairy. They're a mystical creature. They can be whatever they they can be whatever they want. She can be purple if she wants to be. It does not matter. It does not matter. It does not change a single thing about the character. So, shove your racism up your ass. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, so I know that I had said that we were going to cover the Renaissance era. Well, um, I've changed my mind. <laughs> so um, when I was thinking about it, after I came out of the dark age, I realized we come out of the dark age or the bronze age and we're at the end of the eighties. And I thought about it and I was like, there must be some other movies that came out during, during this time that were like iconic, um, at the very least, live action films, like uh, like how it was with uh, Mary Poppins during like the Silver Age kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I looked it up, and I was right. There's quite a few. So I'm gonna cover Tron today, and then next week I'm gonna cover Tron Legacy. This movie, Tron, was way ahead of its time it was one of the earliest films to incorporate extensive cgi technology the movie is incredibly dated in terms of how of of its visuals but i completely understand and it doesn't make me hate the movie you know what i mean um it's a wild ride it's super fun. It stars Jeff fucking Bridges, which is hilarious to me. He does a great job. Everybody does such a good job in the movie. They fully commit to everything that's going on. It's very, very fun. Um, anyway, so the whole thing basically revolves around uh, this company called Encom, who is – they're kind of uh, – a like a security, a security company. Like it's not even really, um, it's not even really clear as to what Encom does, but they're some big tech corporation. The one thing that I do know that is that for sure that they do is that they make arcade games, and I know this because it is specifically mentioned and brought up during the film. So basically, it revolves around this whole this whole uh, company called Encom. And Jeff Bridges' character, Kevin Flynn, who owns an arcade uh, and works out of the art, works out of his arcade, has been trying to hack into the system because he's trying to find evidence to prove that the big man upstairs who runs it, uh, uh, his name is Dillinger has plagiarized all of Flynn's video game designs because he's the one who decided to start 
creating all these video games that Encom would later become famous for. Uh, and so, like, yeah, so we get glimpses of what it looks like inside of the mainframe system. It's, again, it's very polygonal and everything. The light, the, the lights are weird. But they're live-action characters. They're live-action characters inside these crazy backdrops that are very, very fun. And so, yeah. Now, however, uh, Encom has this master control program that's kind of like this AI system that is working as security. Um, and that's, and it's, but it's, it's learning and it's learning that humans are, you know, they're pretty obsolete and this MCP eventually wants to take over, you know, as generally as AIs usually do it, you know, the, the computers are taking over and whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, uh, but Flynn has a couple friends in the, in that still work there, that still work at Encom. Because Flynn used to work at Encom, but then he got fired. Uh, Alan Bradley and his girlfriend, uh, engineer Laura Baines, uh, have discovered that they no longer have clearance to some of uh, some higher level things in order to access projects and things. And so they're they they find that very suspicious, and so they go to Flynn to be like, hey, can you help us out? Can you help us figure out what's going on? And so Flynn is like, yeah, absolutely. But I can't do it from here because he's trying to hack in from his from his home computer. And he's like, if I can do it in the in the building, it'll be much easier. So they're like, sure, let's get, we, we can get you in. And Flynn's like, fucking A, let's do it. And so they take him to they take him to the to the company, they take him to the headquarters and uh they get him in, right? And so Flynn gets to, he goes to uh, um, Laura's station and she's kind of working on doing something with some scientists that are trying to convert solid matter effectively into digital information. Like they're trying to basically transport things from the real world into the digital world kind of thing, right? Um, and so Flynn goes to a computer that's there in in the work area and he makes contact with the mcp and the mcp is like uh he's like flynn i can't let you do very um uh oh shit what's the name of the the name of the ai in uh in 2001 hal god it finally clicked it was there i had it (laughs) The MCP is basically like, I can't let you do that, Flynn, kind of thing, right? And obviously, this it, it's it's a bad computer. It's a bad system. And so they secretly targets Flynn with the with this electrical gun type thing, like this laser cannon that shoots him and turns him entirely into digital energy and then ports him into the system. And so now Flynn is stuck in the system. And one of his goals is to find all this evidence, but also to find Tron. So Tron is effectively a program that Alan created as a way to try and figure out what the fuck is going on, right? But apparently within the system, Flynn finds out that Tron had actually been captured. And so he's being forced in these games uh, as a way to just kind of keep them occupied more or less um now the interesting thing is is that we find out that these programs and 
these computer systems uh, more or less have sentience within the mainframe system. And there's this sort of pseudo-religious equivalent kind of going on in which some of the programs have, they believe in uh, these beings known as the users. And the users uh, are who they believe created them and wrote them as programs, which is, of course, true. But it's interesting because the MCP has one of these other programs kind of under his thumb. And his whole thing is that he's trying to make these programs renounce their belief in the users and only work for the MCP. It's all very weirdly technical and like, computery and stuff like that it's very interesting but i just think it's i just think it was interesting how they threw in that kind of parallel uh that kind of religious parallel uh because if you think about it it kind of does make sense right like the programs figured out that oh like there's something bigger than us that must have written us in order to give us these tasks that we have right so it's very interesting anyway so flynn uh gets captured uh, the MCP knows that Flynn is there, obviously, because he's the one that put him in there. And he tells uh, the main uh, guy that he's uh, that's like under his that under his thumb. Uh, Sark is the name of the program, uh, is a command program. Uh, so he commands Sark to kind of put Flynn in the games and kind of keep him there until eventually he is killed in the games, because he because the MCP knows that Flynn can do it. He knows that Flynn can stop him. So he does. So Sark throws him in into the games. Now the interesting thing is, now the fun thing is, is that like some of these games are really cool. There's like a um, uh, there's like a game in which there's a, like a wiffle ball kind of game where you got to throw the ball up to the ceiling. It bounces and it hits a ring on the other side, and then that ring disappears. Um, there's the light cycle, the infamous light cycle, uh, which actually I believe came, became an actual game. I'm almost certain that I remember actual games based on this like based on this movie like arcade games based on them uh and then there's um no oh sorry no those are the only other those are the only two games that i believe were featured anyway but as uh flynn is trying to do that he he meets up with tron with the program himself and basically him tron and this other program who's like a like an accounting program or whatever they're forced into the light cycle game and then from there uh they end up escaping uh and they go into like the full the full system outside of the game basically and uh from there their whole thing is they're trying to get to this special tower that Tron can use in order to communicate with Alan, with his user. And uh, because if he can do that, at the very least, Tron can tell Alan that he's safe and that he's and instruct him in what to do in order to defeat the MCP. So that's the mission. So they're going, they're on their way. Uh, and then uh, they see that they're being chased by a bunch of like these, these like tanks and these like weird like flying things that have like. They look like, uh, like if you, if you ever look at like a staple before it's been stapled, it's got like the the three sides of a rectangle. They kind of look like that. It's really hard to describe, but they're being chased by uh, programs that 
work for the MCP and for Sark. And Sark himself is actually chasing them as well. And then eventually they believe that they finally got them. They they shoot them down. They destroy um, the light cycles that Flynn and this other program are riding. Tron continues his, his way and he keeps going on. Ram is the other name of the, of the program. So Flynn and Ram run away and uh, they find themselves inside one of these like flying machines and Flynn finds out that he has this power in order to, he has these powers to like kind of do some minor recoding more or less. And so he recodes this flying machine to repair it so that it can fly again. And then that's when Ram is like, oh shit, like you're a user, like you exist kind of thing. Right? So it's, it's, it's basically like a person meeting God, right? Uh, unfortunately, Ram ends up dying uh, or derezzes. As uh, as is referred to in the film, uh, and so Flynn is kind of left uh, on his own to continue the trek. So he f- uh, he ends up following Tron to uh, the info tower or uh, the input output tower because that's where they need to get to. Uh, and then uh, when he arrive, uh, Tron arrives at the tower and he sees the program that i guess laura built because like the the idea is that these programs look like their users right so tron looks like alan this other program looks like laura that's the that's the concept and so tron meets this uh this other program and so they all both sneak away into the tower so they get to the io tower and they speak to this guy who is like analogous to like a priest uh and he lets tron through in order to speak to uh to alan after sealing the doors because sark is right behind them like sark is like pounding at the door trying to get through so tron speaks to alan alan tells tron all right here here's a bunch of code in order for you to like uh to defeat the mcp if you take your data disc and you throw it into the mcp it will destroy him because the cool thing is that like every program has these discs that they can use in order to uh, record information kind of thing, right? They can also be used as weapons. That, that's another one of the games. Like you use your disc and you throw it at people and, and that's the kind of thing, right? So uh, Tron now has this has a superpower disc. And so he and the Laura program flee. Uh, Flynn follows them to like this solar sail type of thing. Uh, they all get there together and they regroup. Tron is excited to see Flynn again. Flynn's like, yo, what's up? Because <laughs> this is Jeff Bridges. What up? It's very funny. Um, and so they head towards the MCP. So while they're on their way, they're, of course, being chased. And they're, like, just about to get captured. But then uh, Flynn goes up to the front of the solar sail. It looks like a solar sail. not really a solar sail. But what he does is he interacts with this data stream that the thing is riding on. And he redirects it. And they're like, what the hell? How can you do that? And he's like, what up? I'm a user. And they're like, holy shit. Yeah. So again, like now they both fully believe in the, well, of course, Tron did too. But like, yeah, they again, they met God. <laughs> it's wild. And so eventually, uh, as they're just about to arrive at the MCP, they end up getting captured. Uh, a flying ship crashes into them and they get captured. They think Tron is dead, uh, but the Laura program and Flynn end up get captured uh, and they're there. And um, 
they are ultimately being taken to the MCP anyway, so it's fine. Tron does. Uh, Tron isn't dead. Uh, he was able to escape and is hiding within the ship, like on the exterior of the ship. So there's a lot happening right now. <laughs> so this command ship arrives and uh, he, in like this weird little like escape pod type thing, takes a bunch of extra programs for like questioning or for like reprogramming to the MCP. And then he, he orders the rest of this command ship to be de- to be derezzed. Inside the command ship is Flynn and the Laura program. The Laura program is starting to fade. And then Flynn, because he's not really a program, doesn't feel the same energy sap. And so he puts the energy back into the Laura program. And she's like, holy shit. Like, how'd you do that? And he's like, you know what? What up? I'm a user. <laughs> and so they arrive at the MCP. And they see and Tron goes in and he he's up against Sark now. Sark is supposed to be one of the best players in the games. He has derezzed countless programs. And so now it's it's like the two greatest fighters in the games are up against each other. Eventually, uh, Tron ends up actually defeating Sark. But then the MCP is like, he like superpowers him. And so, he, so while Tron is running towards the main area where the MCP is, uh, Sark suddenly grows and he's like all big and strong. He's just clearly a puppet at this point because he's effectively dead. Um, and then they're like, well, what are we going to do? We don't, uh, or Tron is trying to throw his disc over to the MCPs, uh, to, over to the MCP to destroy it. But the MCP creates these barriers around himself. And so Tron's disc keeps bouncing off. And so it can't quite get into it. Um, uh, and so Flynn, uh, who in the real world still held romantic, uh, feelings for Laura, uh, ends up taking this opportunity to make out with prog- with L- the Laura program. Um, and so, yeah, so that happens. <laughs> it's kind of meh, in my opinion. I don't know. Anyway, and so Flynn decides to jump into the beam of the MCP, distracts him enough for Tron to throw the disc through the barriers and destroys the the MCP. So when that happens, the the big Sark program derezzes, and all of this re- all of these red lights and beams and everything that were there because of the MCP turn blue. So that's how you know that that, that everything went well. And then like all these cities start becoming uh, like more alive again. Like it, it shows that the that the uh, the oppression of the MCP is officially over. And on top of that. Uh, Flynn gets kind of kicked out and gets back into the real world. And he sees that a printout uh, exists of the, of the fact that his copyright is there is like, so there's, there's now paper evidence, copyright evidence of the fact that he is the one who created the, the games. Uh, he is the one that created the light cycle, all of them basically. So he is effectively he's effectively one. Dillinger's like, well, he's like back up in his in his uh, in his office, and he's looking at his big computer, or he's got like a big big desk, and it's got like a computer in it, kind of thing. It's it was like the '80s version of being super high tech, I think. Uh, it's still a very cool desk, and I super fucking want it. <laughs> uh, 
and yeah, Dillinger just knows that he's lost. And then we kind of cut to like a time jump and Alan and Laura are now like at the top of the Encom Tower and here comes a helicopter and we see that the helicopter is carrying Flynn. And so like here's kind of my my issue with this is that the I feel like the ending of this movie felt a bit rushed. Like a lot of things were happening at the end of it and I was like so much of this is coming out of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? Like the the final fight between Tron and Sark felt super fast. Flynn jumping into the, the MCP in order to, to beat it. And then like the sudden jump of like, oh, now he's now he's fine. Now he is like running NCOM kind of thing. Like I feel like it could have benefited from like maybe an extra ten or twenty minutes of just fully wrapping up the fully wrapping up the story. It just doesn't feel like the story was properly wrapped up if that makes sense that's kind of my main issue with it is kind of the thing uh but all in all i actually really enjoyed this movie and i probably give it maybe a six or seven out of ten it's fun it's really cool to kind of see how uh the technology in literally the late 70s early 80s uh what what that looked like right because like that that kind of technology was you know didn't really exist um and so it's just really cool to kind of see what they had and how they worked with what they had uh like the the concept of this movie more or less started in like the mid-70s when one of the producers was like obsessed with pong (laughs) kind of thing he's like whoa like how cool would it be if you could like get into it like get into the pro get into the video games and stuff because he like uh he was inspired by the classics of alice in wonderland right so in production of this movie they brought in some uh some other some pretty interesting people to come in and kind of design the thing uh Three main designers were brought in to work to create the look of the computer world. They had a they had a, a, a comic from like a comic book artist from France named Jean Giraud. Uh, Giraud, I think his name was, um, to do the main set and costume design for the film. Now the costumes are incredibly unique. If you've ever seen the costumes, they kind of look like just like they. It almost looks like they put on like old hockey equipment and like put tape or something to create the illuminated design because like in the computer world things aren't things are very grayscale right things are very black and white almost like fairly fairly literally um except for these main colors like red and blue and so that's kind of how you know who the good guy is and the bad guys the good guys are blue red guys are bad guys are red um but it's fascinating to see because like otherwise there's like no color there's no other color except for gray, except for grayscale. So it's very, very interesting design. Uh, vehicle designs uh, were created by industrial designer Sid Mead, uh, and then Peter Lloyd, a high-tech commercial artist, designed the environments. Um, in terms of the actual computer graphics, there were f- the Disney turned to the four leading computer graphic firms of the day. Information International in Culver City, uh, who owned the Super Foonly F1 
uh, I, which is, I think, a computer. I don't know. I've never heard of it before. Uh, <laughs> uh, MAGI of Elmsford, New York. Uh, Robert Abel and Associates of California and Digital Effects of New York City. So, yeah. So th this is before ILM. This is before Industrial Light and Magic, who is now like one of the forefronts of computer-generated technology. Uh, ILM wouldn't come in really like it started. It they were kind of on the up and up just because of just because of Star Wars, but they really didn't kind of uh, they didn't get their stride until the mid mid eighties kind of thing. So that was after Tron had happened. If this movie had occurred, or if this movie uh, worked, or if Disney had worked with ILM to make this movie, I firmly believe the thing would have looked entirely different. It would have, it probably would have looked, for lack of a better phrase, better. Uh, so that's that's like an that's an interesting concept to think about, uh, because if you look at if you look at the movies that came out that worked with ILM, at like Jurassic Park, for example, uh, and of course the Star Wars movies, like it's wild. But also those work with like strictly live action, whereas this is you're putting, whereas with Tron you're putting people into a digital world. So how do you make the digital world look real? If you know what I mean. Uh, anyway. It'll be interesting to go when we go to Tron Legacy uh, to kind of see what that looks like. The funny thing is, is that um, in the real world, when they when they're in Encom, in Encom, when they go into like the lower levels of the building, uh, they show some of the computers, and like these things are fucking huge. Like we've all heard about what computers were like in the er, in like the latter half of the 20th century you know in the 70s and 80s how they were like these big things that like took up whole rooms in order just to just to function and it's wild just to see that considering that my com my computer my personal computer my laptop is sitting in front of me like what i don't even know how many. it's 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 like a foot and a half long by it's like a foot and a half long by a foot it's a tiny little thing and it can do it can record this podcast. It can do what I'm doing right now. Everything that I could do everything that they could do back in the late 70s early 80s on those giant ass fucking computers, I can do in a fraction of a second. It's wild to see how tech how far technology has come within the last 50 60 years. 70 years? 70 years. Yeah? Right? Is my math right? Let's say 80, 90, aughts, 10, 20. Sorry, I'm jumping. <laughs> last 40 years. Oh, yeah, in the last like 40 some odd years. So, yes. Um, but all in all, uh, I think this I think this movie is very fun. I definitely think it's I feel like it's definitely more of it's more time capsule-y than anything else. Uh and it's I think it's worth the watch. I mean, Jeff Bridges does a really good job in this movie. He really does. Uh, and especially because he's working in like such a weird world, if that makes sense. So kudos to him for doing the job that he did. He did a fantastic job, fantastic job. The budget of this movie is also only 17 million dollars, which is wild to me, considering that so much of it was done with with the CGI technology and the box office, it made $50 million. So needless to say, it was definitely a hit. It's, it was also not strictly released under Walt Disney. 
like it was produced by the, by Walt Disney Productions, but it was distributed by Buena Vista, and Buena Vista uh, was like um, what's it? It, it was a film distribution studio that Disney used when they didn't want to do things that were quintessentially Disney, if that makes sense, right? Uh, it's now known as Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. Um, but yeah, so it would be like, this studio goes back fucking years. Like the True Life Adventures uh, live action documentary series is worth through Buena Vista as well, right? Uh, yeah, and so they would they would work in conjunction with a bunch of other studios when they didn't want to strictly release something under the Disney umbrella if that makes sense. Anyway. So that's that so that's Tron. Again, I love it. It's really cool. It's very very cool. And like I love I do also really love that concept, the idea of like what would happen if you were to go inside the computer? What could you do? You know, and it's like I don't know, man. Would you fare better if you were actually a coder? You know? Like would my partner do better than me instead of a computer world? Because he actually understands coding and he can actually do all that stuff. So yeah, it's a fun, it, it's a fun movie, but I'm genuinely excited for Tron legacy. Tron legacy, I think is going to be a hell of a ride. Also filmed in Vancouver, by the way, Tron legacy. Ha 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 ha. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Though. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, well with that, I will, uh, check out, not check out that's not no i don't want to say check out uh that's it that's it for this episode uh i hope you will all join me for next time when we talk about tron legacy i'm very excited about that uh until then drink your water eat your food take your meds rest get some exercise you know all that jazz do all that good stuff and we'll catch you next week bye happy pride yay (laughs) 